Our second scripture reading this morning is from one of Paul's letters to the church in Ephesus. Paul writes to his congregation there, This is the reason that I, Paul, am a prisoner for Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles. For surely you have already heard of the commission of God's grace that was given me for you, and how the mystery was made known to me by revelation. In former generations, this mystery was not made known to humankind, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. That is, the Gentiles have become fellow heirs, members of the same body, and sharers in the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I have become a servant according to the gift of God's grace that was given me by the working of his power. Although I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to me to bring to the Gentiles the news of the boundless riches of Christ and to make everyone see what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, so that through the church the wisdom of God in its rich variety might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose that he has carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have access to God in boldness and confidence through faith in him. May these words continue to resonate in our hearts as well. Will you pray with me? O gracious and loving God, may the meditations of all our hearts and minds and souls be pleasing unto you. Amen. I've never really been afraid of the dark. In fact, one of the most profound and moving experiences of my life was a week on horseback in the Wyoming Tetons and spending the night outdoors after a day of riding. No tents, no electricity, no cabin, just a sleeping bag and a dark black night and an expanse of sky like I had never seen. And of course, it is in that complete and utter darkness that the stars seem to multiply and shine the brightest. The awe and the wonder and the mystery took my breath away. And the memories of those nights can still make me feel as if I am standing hand in hand with God, as God must have stood on that last day of creation, looking at all that had been created, and God saying simply but profoundly, it is good. It is very, very good. And it is on these long, dark, yes, frigid nights that I remain unafraid of the dark. Back here in the city, we may not see the stars like we can experience in the wilderness, but did you receive the gift of seeing the moon on January 1st? It was the first supermoon of the year, when the full moon is closest to the Earth, appearing bigger and brighter than normal. And in the deep, deep dark of night, it was spectacular. And the moon is about to do something that it rarely does. The moon will be full for a second time this month on January 31st. You won't want to miss it, for God will be with you saying, it is good. It is very, very good. And yet, on the darkest nights, the stars and the moon are still out there somewhere, aren't they? 
And so God, as only God could do, brought the light to the earth, and a baby, no less, born in a manger. And wouldn't you know, he did so during the darkest, longest nights of the year. The prophet Isaiah knew it was coming. He proclaimed, arise, shine, for your light will come. Darkness may cover the earth, but the Lord's glory will appear, and appear it did. The Magi knew. They must have heeded the words of the prophet who foretold that nations shall come to the light and kings to the brightness of the dawn. They were wise enough to know that that star in the sky, that seemingly very special star, was something they should follow. A king had been born, and the star would lead them to him. In darkness, they followed that star. And the scripture tells us that once the star stopped, even before they had seen the child, they were overwhelmed with joy. And that gleaming star had led them to a baby, the birth of the light of the world. And out of darkness came a great light. No, I've never been afraid of the dark. John of the Cross even said, in the dark night of the soul, bright flows the river of God. And so it is not the darkness, but it is the gray that I'm afraid of. When the clouds cover the moon and the stars and even the sun, when I lose sight of the light that I am to follow, that is when I stumble. Because when I lose sight of the light, I also have a tendency to lose hope. As Rich reminded us so beautifully in his Christmas Eve sermon, we tell the Christmas story over and over again so that we never forget, so that we never lose sight of that light of Christ who came to bring hope and help to those who were held captive by oppression and to guide them to personal peace and joy through the illumination of the love of God. And isn't that what Christmas is all about? Our yearly anticipation of hope amidst darkness hope of being recreated anew in Christ, a hope made possible by God having lived through one of us, through Jesus, the light of that star that those wise gentlemen were following was the star of hope. Well, in his book, Hope, Moments of Inspiration in a Challenging World, Tim Costello tells the story of a coal miner that took his son with him into a mine shaft where he worked. And he writes, the father told his son, wait here in this lit space as I need to go into the tunnel. While the son was waiting, the light in the mine failed, and he was in pitch darkness. He screamed out for his father. Down the tunnel, he heard his father's voice telling him to start walking toward him. Well, the boy cried that he couldn't see anything. His father asked him if the light on his helmet was on, and the boy replied, yes, but he could only see one step ahead. His father said, well, take that step. And this happened over and over again, and the boy followed the soothing advice of his father until he finally reached the safety of his father's strong arms. That's the story of our journey with Christ, isn't it? When we're feeling as vulnerable as that young child in the coal mine, we need a trusted companion to help us move one step at a time. Christ is there to light our way. Well, sometimes that light and the gift of hope that comes with it seems easy to follow. For as the prophet Isaiah also said, you will see the light and then be radiant, 
your heart shall thrill and rejoice. And once we've experienced the light, we should be glowing like that supermoon in the bleak and cold winter night. The wise men certainly did. They went home by another way, not back to scary King Herod, where they knew if, the, if he found the location of this king, that Herod would surely plot to extinguish the light before it had a chance to spread like wildfire. Yes, the wise men brought extravagant gifts, but they left with even more profound gifts, the gift that was to be shared, a radiant light. That's why this day is called Epiphany. They received the gift of mystery being revealed. They found God enfleshed in human form. And as one author states, that's the trouble with an epiphany. It can lead to enlightenment, to seeing the world differently and one's place in that world. Once we've experienced the good news of Christ's love and grace, we too are forever changed. And that precious gift of God's grace is not meant to be kept to ourselves. We are called to not only follow the light, but to share the light as well. But we also know if we are struggling in the darkness of suffering or the shadows of a heavy heart, it's not so easy to see the light or feel even a sense of hope. God knows that we sometimes need another human companion, just like the father in the coal mine story, to encourage us to take one step at a time. Having received the gift of light of Christ, we are called to radiate that light to others. Maybe that is why candlelight is so important in so many religions of the world. Our Jewish friends recently celebrated Hanukkah, the remembrance of the miracle that occurred when one day's supply of oil lasted eight days during the purification and rededication of the Temple of Jerusalem. The central ritual of Hanukkah is the lighting of the menorah with its nine candles. The shamash candle, the taller candle in the center is used to light one additional candle throughout the eight days until all the candles are lit. Shamash means servant. And as one rabbi reminds us, the shamash is there to light the other candles. And he says, be a shamash. Well, Paul understood this when he wrote his letter to the people in Ephesus. Once he became aware of the mystery of Christ, he became a servant according to the gift of God's grace that was given him. He became a shamash, lighting the way for others. And we, every Sunday of Advent, lit a candle symbolizing hope, peace, joy, and love, and ultimately the Christ candle, the symbol of the light of Christ coming into our world. And every Sunday of the year, we too light the Christ candle, and in the past year or so, we've embraced the tradition of so many other congregations before us and have had a child, an acolyte, bring the light of Christ to light the main Christ candle here at the front of the church. <coughs> we had a special gift this morning of seeing that child bring that light forward. I don't know if you could see the light on her face, um, but it was a beautiful moment. I know several of you on this side got to see her. But if we followed the tradition exactly, we would also have the acolyte return at the end of every service, relight the candlestick, and carry the light back out into the world, a symbol that the light of Christ is not to remain here, 
but we are each called to carry that light out into the world. For a single candle can light a thousand other candles, and yet doing so never diminishes its own light. We are called to share the light. We are each called to be an acolyte. We are each called to be a shamash. So for some reason, this reminds me of a great moment in the movie and comedy, Miss Congeniality. If you haven't seen it, it is the story of when the FBI rushes to find a female agent to go undercover as a contestant in the Miss United States pageant. Unfortunately, Gracie Lou Freebush, played by Sandra Bullock, is the only female FBI agent who can look the part, despite her complete lack of refinement and femininity. She prides herself on just being one of the boys and is horrified at the idea of becoming a girly girl. While the FBI hires a well-known pageant consultant, Victor Melling, played by Michael Caine, to coach Gracie to play the part of this pageant contestant. As Gracie is about to stumble her way onto stage for the very first time at the pageant, Victor's last-minute desperate advice to his reluctant and unlikely student is this. Wear the crown. Be the crown. You are the crown. And so I believe God also has a sense of humor, and I imagine him telling us, Wear the shamash. Be the shamash. You are the shamash. Wear the light. Be the light. You are the light. Now I understand that sometimes we are more in need of the light than we are able to share the light. Sometimes our own weariness and sadness diminishes the light within us, and we go gray. But that is one of the beauties of this congregation and our faith, that we can be present for one another in both our times of joy as well as our sorrow. Sometimes we need to receive the light, and when we do, let us receive it with grace. And sometimes we need to be a beacon of light, not just to the neighbors that are known, but to our neighbors not yet known to us. The prophet Isaiah understood this as well when he spoke of the light coming into the world. Is not this the fast I choose? To loose the bonds of injustice, to undo the thongs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover them and not to hide yourself from your own kin? Then your light shall break forth like the dawn and your healing shall bring up quickly. Wear the light. Be the light. You are the light. May it be so. Amen.